New album alert. I am releasing an album this week, this Friday. Um, it's got three tracks on it, but it's at 55 minutes long. And I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but um, I wanted to try an idea of uh, doing like these art, like art prints, paintings that are all original pieces of art done by myself. Um, and have like maybe at a selection of about 10 of them or so, and then uh, sell those on Bandcamp with a download code. And of course you can just get the, uh, the digital album. But um, this album contains the, the Sea Lion piece of music that I made. I played the, the edited together bed of the Sea Lions that I recorded um, with a hydrophone. Uh, and I, I built a track around that and I'm very happy with it. And then, uh, I recently jammed with the train and put a video of that up on YouTube. That track is also on the album. However, it is the full extended track. What is on YouTube is, uh, edited down about 50%. So this is the full length track. And, uh, last week I mentioned, I set up a weird, um, kind of field recording, um, patch at my friend's house and just let it record without listening to it and just recorded a morphogene and instro r bar and just chopped it all up and and uh i think i maybe even played some of that last week but that's on the album as well um i'm still working on the prints uh the paintings not prints they're paintings um and there's going to be no two that are like and i'm not going to make prints of them um so if you get one that's the only piece of art like that that exists in the world i'm not a great artist but i'm having fun with it and i think some of the stuff is pretty cool um now i lost my train of thought but i hope you uh i hope you enjoy the album i hope uh somebody out there likes the prints and it and it adds some nice uh flavor to your decor in your house Uh, Thanks for sitting through this rambly ramble. Link in the show description to that new album. Welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim, and this week we have Cat Breath on the show, which is an amazing uh, moniker. Really dig that. Um, really dig Cat Breath's music as well. So we're going to talk about uh, the new album that I believe there is a pre-order for the cassette, but you get the full album right now. I'll link to that in the show description, and I, I love this 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 collection of songs. And I think you will too. Um, so we're gonna get into that chat momentarily, but I have, I have some pretty fun stuff, some pretty exciting stuff to share with you. Um, a lot has happened in the last couple weeks. So first up, what I'll share with you is I am starting a new podcast. Uh, don't worry, PodMod's not going anywhere. Um, but I am going to going, I'm going to be doing a podcast with my friend Devin. Um, and we are going to be discussing movies where we will pick two or three or four movies uh, that are linked together somehow um, and just kind of talk to them. It's going to be called All Detours Are Welcome. And what that title means is, yes, we will have the movies as the anchor point, but we'll probably meander and talk about all sorts of crazy stuff. So it'll definitely be more of a a fly on the wall, um, listening to a conversation between two friends 
type podcast rather than an interview podcast like this one usually is. Um, yeah, so I'm really, really, really excited about that. And the reason I bring this up is not only to like let you know that I'm doing this, uh, but we also need theme music. And uh, I could make it myself, or I could ask all of you to submit your songs that you'd maybe think would be a good podcast theme song. So I'm opening it up to the Pod Mod Pods. Please make us a cool theme song for our new podcast. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I, I want. I don't want to give any direction. I want you all to just make what you think would be a good theme song for uh, a funny uh, podcast about with two guys just chatting about movies who don't have really any qualifications. Um, but that's how I started PodMod. I barely knew anything about Modular. If you go back to listen to the, the first couple episodes, uh, I can't. I actually can't listen to those because I'm so embarrassed about how little I knew back then. Um, but that was kind of the conceit of the show. Anyways, we want your music for our new podcast. All detours are welcome. Um, I think you're going to like it. If you're into movies, of course you'll like it. Um... Send your tracks to podmodcast at gmail.com. Wave files, preferably. That just makes my job easier. So, uh, yeah, you can share them with that email address uh, however you'd like. We share, we transfer, or whatever it's called. Dropbox, Drive, um, Discord, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so that's the first piece of news. Second piece of news, my baby sister had a child a few days ago. Um... And that's a really cool feeling to see your little baby sis that you've watched grow up, grow up and become a, uh, a strong, motivated, powerful woman, have her first child after trying for a very long time. So I'm so happy for her and my brother-in-law um, and happy for me, really, because uh, I like having nephews. They're fun and they live really close to me, so I'll get to see him quite often. So we went over to meet him last night for the first time. Humble brag, we were the first people to meet him, other than my sister and uh, brother-in-law's roommate, so that doesn't really count. Um, <laughs> what, a weird, what a weird humble brag that is. Uh, anyways, we went over there to meet him last night, and in true Tim Held fashion, I brought my field recorder, because um, babies make adorable sounds, and I, I think it would be cool to uh, you know, have some some sounds of him on his second day on earth to show him when he is older. Uh, and then to continue in true Tim Held fashion, I had to run the recordings of his cute little noises through my synth. And I didn't, I kind of knew this was gonna happen, but I was gonna try to not, I was gonna try my best to not make it happen. But of course it turned out to sound absolutely terrifying. Um, so I will play that for you at the end of the show after, after the patch challenge and everything. So stick around for that. It's, uh, I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I did it and it was fun and I'm just stoked. All right. So yeah, that, those are the updates I wanted to share with you in this week's intro. Um, and a quick reminder in case you skipped right at the beginning, um, I have a new album coming out this Friday. Uh, and rather than cassettes or vinyl, I am selling one-of-a-kind paintings um, that are of various sizes, but no one is like the other. I'm not making prints, so uh, yeah, you'll have just the one original, which will be worth millions of dollars someday, so be on the lookout for those. All right, enough about me. Let's chat with Cat Breath. Okay, we're going 
with Megan, a.k.a. Cat Breath. And I asked you to be on the show because I just recently got your EP Rift, and I absolutely love it. It's, Thank you. Yeah, it's really, really good. And I feel like it's... Um, I don't know. There's there's a few things that I really like about it in particular, but let's let's shelve that for now. Let's just get to know you first. Are you in Portland? I am. Yeah, I'm in Portland. I've kind of gone back and forth between Seattle and Portland throughout my life, but I've been in Portland for the last 10 years or so. Okay. I feel a sneeze coming on, so warning, it may show up soon. Um my allergies are already kicking in. Um are you originally from the Northwest? I, well, yeah, I don't know if I'm allowed to say I'm from Portland because I only got here in 1989. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty long time. I but think, I think that, that counts. Yeah, yeah so I've definitely. lived in Portland for for most of the time. I, I went to school um, at UW up in Seattle, so I spent okay. four years there, and then I worked for another eight years and came back. Okay, cool. Um, uh, what'd you get your degree in? Swedish. Oh, really? Swedish, that's pretty, yeah, that's in Scandinavian cool. studies, which... Uh, it's quite different from, you know, making music and yeah. most, use, most useful things, but it was interesting at least. Are you using that at all? No, currently? not yeah. really. I try to force myself to like read every now and then. I have some Swedish friends, but you know, it's hard when you pick a language where it's a very small population and they speak, you know, English better than me usually too. So <laughs> yeah. It's hard to find people to practice with. Yeah. If you went to Sweden, could you get by? I could probably it'd get, I, I'd have to kind of uh, get get thing get back into the swing of things, but I'm yeah. sure I could I'm sure I could get there. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't use any of anything that I went to school for either. Um, I I studied primate behavior and evolution, and now I'm a podcast guy about you know, <laughs> and I teach at an electric electrical apprenticeship. So, yeah. Well, that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. So I owe a lot of money to be able to tell you a little bit about what we knew about primate evolution in like up to 2010. Yeah. But I haven't kept up. So now it's almost worthless, I think. But Well, anyways. sounds about right. If you need uh, to translate that into Swedish, I could <laughs> do that. Um, so when did you start playing music? Was it, were you, were you into synths uh, or did you get into guitar or anything like that first? Yeah. I, you know, I got into synths first and really I'd say in high school and then college, I got really into industrial music okay. and I worked my way back. Like I started with, you know, this was in the mid 2000s. So the future pop kind of like VNV nation stuff was around. Um, and then I worked my way back to throbbing gristle. So. Okay. Okay. And the gamut of that. Um, yeah, and then just kind of in that time, I got really interested in synthesizers. Uh, the first one I picked up was a Alesis Micron. Back uh -huh, in the day, I remember those. Which I sold, like, I don't know how many years ago, and I miss it. Yeah. Ever since, but. I feel like the Micron and the Microcorg were kind of like the two competitors for entry level, but like powerful for entry level. Yeah, and, actually, yeah and actually tra I traded the Micron for Microcorg. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I've always regretted that. Really? The Microcorg is great too, but there's something about the Micron. It was so quirky and weird. Yeah. I never really played with one. Um, I had I had the Microcorg and then the Microcorg XL and then went to the MS2000. So 
Yeah, I still have my microcorg. I'm hanging on to it because I'm going to mod it. I don't know if you've seen those like modular chop off the keyboard um, no. mods out there, but that sounds I, tell my, I tell myself I'm going to do that at some point. Right, right. <laughs> when, when you find the time. Exactly. There's all like, there's like the projects that I'm actually going to get to, but can't find the time. And then there's like the back burner projects of like someday. And it's yeah. like approaching 40 and I'm like, I don't know if someday is ever going to come. Yeah, but. I feel that. <laughs> um, okay, so so you were like, I always, I'm always curious if people get into synths because they're kind of interested in the technology or if they hear a type of music or a certain band or artist that just really makes them want to participate rather than just be a listener. Yeah, yeah, for me, it really was the, the music, you know, this music scene got me into it. But then when I got into synth, so my first synth was a Micron, but my second was a Juno 6. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, and that's where I really got into just the technical aspect of sound design and um, even more so than making music, just making sound was mm-hmm. something I found more interesting at, at the start, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm finding myself there. Lately, I've been not all that interested in trying to write actual music. Um but rather like just taking field recordings and processing them or bringing Uh my synth with my R bar, which has an onboard mic and just like seeing what happens. Yeah. Um, But all that said, I do really appreciate when I hear synth music, especially modular music that does have like a melody to grab onto and a beat to grab onto and something that isn't just kind of like all random, even Mm -hmm. though I don't even use sequencers really. I just use ran, like random gates and, and everything. And um, But it is nice to hear that. So that was one thing that really pulled me into um, to your album Rift or EP is like it's, uh, I feel like it sounds like modular music, but like with a little bit, it seems like it has more intent to it or something. I don't know. Yeah. And, and, and I feel that like I love just experimenting with modular and finding you know as many wild sounds as I can but when it comes down to like actually writing music and releasing something I do need a little more structure Um, Mm -hmm. and that's where I like to combine other tools with modular so um, you know on on my new album the melodies and the bass lines and stuff for the most part those are all modular but the backbone is uh, the polyon tracker is really what I use for that okay so I find like I, I generally will use tools like that or Ableton or things like that to build structure. And mm-hmm. then I, you see uh, my Eurorack to kind of add, you know, some melody or some pads or some general kind of feel to the music after that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and there seems, there, this seems like a concept album a little bit to me. Like it, there feels like there's a through line um, texturally, sonically, and even like, field is that your voice that's on there it's like, not it's um i got this really great uh pack of field recordings from someone who, who does a lot of kind of space themed work in their uh-huh. real life um so all of that's kind of what i incorporated in some of my it's not space of my racer is it it is space racer and oh right on yep, yep. <laughs> i've had brandy on the show that's yeah. so cool and that was kind of i mean for this this concept that that I started with those samples and I was like, this is really inspiring. I like the idea of a journey. I love space. 
but I also like sort of a darker kind of atmosphere. So in my mm. mind, it is, it's like a journey. And I was totally picturing like Event Horizon the whole time I was writing. Oh, I love that movie. It's, have you watched it recently? I have. It's, I have. It like doesn't hold up in the best way. It doesn't it, hold up. I love it. It's got like that late nineties, like matrix music. Like, it's, yeah, it's perfect. yeah. I love, I don't know why, but for some reason, like, um, what's Sam? Oh, no, it's not Sam Elliott. It's the guy, the main guy from Jurassic Neil, Park. Sam. Oh yeah. Sam, Sam Neil, right. The way he like said, Claire, Claire, the way he says Claire, like over and over, like, I don't know why it's just like, it's so overacting and like, I don't know that that movie is great. Yeah. If you haven't seen Event Horizon, spoiler alert. You go to space, but you also go to hell. <laughs> um, well, there def- what I, another thing I really liked about this record is that there is a, an element of darkness to it, but there's also like, there's like some really lightheartedness, especially, um, oh God, now I'm forgetting the song name, but it's a second track. Yeah, um, um, Zero Gravity. Zero I put gravity. that in there on purpose because it was so dark. Like that's kind of like a fake out song where you're like, oh, maybe this is going to be a happy album. But then, <laughs> but then I also, I tried to really end on a positive note. So it's kind of like a, a journey going full circle and ending Definitely, in a good place. Yeah. But that, yeah, that uh, Zero Gravity was kind of a, a silly, when, like just jam I made on the tracker that ended up sounding good in the collection. When it came up, like when I, when I got the album and, um, that that song came on i'm like doing the dishes and i'm like i like i think i may have said it out loud but i know i thought like thank you and i was you know thanking you for making something like kind of upbeat and chipper and and borderline like tongue-in-cheek silly Mm -hmm. you know um Mm -hmm. and kind of cutesy but like i just i love that i love that jam so much and i didn't realize it until today but I thought the voice was just kind of, I didn't know what it was saying, but now it's just saying, I like you. Is mm-hmm. that what? Yeah. yeah. Just, <laughs> it's so good. I got this uh, sample set of anime vocals. I don't remember it's, where it's I got, got a it. real anime, anime I vibe. Put them in, I put them in everything. And it's just like a nice little surprise, especially like, you know, I have them loaded up in my samplers in your rack. It's so good to just have something like real, like bubble gum, happy thing all of a sudden in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I made a track a while ago that I called Shredding Shrubs. And it's it's kind of a similar, like, it's just so over, over silly. It's just, it's crazy silly, but my friends really like it. And it's, it's funny because like, it's my only, it's my only track that is kind of taken on a life beyond me. Like, my friends listen to it. And I'm like, oh, they're like, we should listen to it. And they don't even like talk about it as if it's my song anymore. And I'm just kind of like, I don't know why you guys like this thing so much. And I don't know. It's just really funny to, to see like this thing that was just really goofy kind of, I don't know, go somewhere else, but. Always fun um, when things take a life of their own and they're almost not yours anymore. Yeah. It's definitely not mine. Like, and I don't think I mixed it well. And they're like, why haven't you released it? And I'm like, I don't know. Cause it's not great. And, uh, but maybe I should, maybe I should release it. Maybe I'll play it at the end of this episode. You should. Um, so I was curious about, well, you kind of, you kind of hit on it a little bit, but like, yeah, the gear that you used, um, for this, is, is this like a multi-track, um, like produced thing or how much of this is, is it close to live or? It's, I would say 
the the URX stuff is live for the most okay. part. Um, the tracker stuff, of course, is you know programmed very specifically. But mm -hmm. yeah, and at that time too, my setup was pretty primitive. Where I had stereo outs, and that was mm -hmm. all I could record. So you know, um, you kind of this is the the URX artist dilemma too. Do you just commit to what it is in the moment, yeah. or do you really go back and try to super multi-track? So in this one, yeah, it, it, it's mostly live, and then it's like I've gone in and you know chopped things up a little bit here and there. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I've recently upped my my setup a little more, so I do have uh, the ability to multi-track in real time, which is a game changer, too. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, I can so I usually I have like a, a field recorder that has four XLR in. So usually what I'll do is two stereo out of like a stereo effect, you know, like mm -hmm. out of mimeophone and then out of like my Z verb or something like that. Um, and, and I just having those extra, you know, if you can break up a you know a small ish system to four, you know, to two sets of stereo outs, I think that that's that gives you a l way more wiggle room. It does. Yeah. And I actually got, I have to look at this module. It's the blood cells audio D mix. I think it's called. Oh yeah. It's, it has five direct outs. So you've got two stereo and then you've got an, an extra really. So I'm at five. Um, okay. Nice. That suits me fine for the most part. Yeah. If I'm in the studio, I have my, um, my Scarlet like 18 I eight or whatever. So it's got, it's got eight inputs on it. I've got that but one I, too. Yeah. I, just I rarely use all eight. If I'm up to six, I'm really don't. working it. <laughs> yeah. The only time I use all eight is when I'm, so I uh, also use, um, I've got an old TR-707 that I use a lot. Mm -hmm. And I finally set that up for multi-tracking. That's the only time I use all eight and, and eight isn't enough for yeah, every right. <laughs> output. But, it, but I mean, you know, no one needs all of the toms on the 707 really. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh God, I, I had another, another one. Uh, sorry. I'm a little brain dead today. Um, thank God for editing. Although I'll forget that I did this and then I won't end up editing it out. That happens all the time. Um, did you use the, the data bender at all oh, on this? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> That's my like all time favorite module. I use that so often. It's and so good. And Qubit, I don't know if you've seen, but Qubit's been releasing new sort of tutorial videos for it. Mm -hmm. and I saw I, that. I haven't looked at them yet, but I'd, I really want to. It's worth it. Like I, I feel like I can be way more intentional and, uh, yeah, intentional with the sounds I want to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Besides just having like amazing circuit bent sounds in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it felt like the, there's like this sound that you do a few times throughout the album that's kind of like a, it's almost like a reverse delay, like like this ratcheting thing almost. And I was like, I wonder if that's data better. And if so, like, how did you get it to do that? Or did you just like record a bunch of stuff of it and slice the parts out that you wanted and slide them? The ratcheting, uh, there's a lot of ratcheting in the album. A lot of it is actually from the tracker. Okay. There's they're like the polyan tracker is so good at ratcheting and you know mm -hmm. that's like a very specific kind of you know idm or kind of break core effect mm -hmm. and i never really knew how to do that until i got a tracker but the data bender like yeah some of the i love that it will just reverse the sample mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in interesting ways interesting places i should say mm -hmm. 
So a lot of that as well. I've been using it in green mode a lot and then doing like the oct so you can go like the octaves mm. down and up. And I find that is it's a good way to get it to like not just do like the data bender thing, you know, yeah. that like that everybody does when they first get it. Um I'll be honest with you, I still like when I get modules, I use them and I try to like just get what what I can out of them without reading anything about them. I do the same thing. I usually and that's the thing. I mean, you're a wreck. We all have guess right with your rack mm -hmm, totally <laughs> so i'll get something and i'll use it for i don't know a few months just figuring it out and then when i have a little time i'll go back and actually read the manual watch some mm -hmm. tutorials and and try to get a little more proficient with it yeah and i i haven't got to the point where i need the manual yet for data bender because i'm just having so much fun but after i saw the tutorial videos i was like i know this thing has so much more under the hood than i'm doing with it because if it's that cool when you just haphazardly patch it, like going at it with intent has got to be very rewarding. There's so I mean, you can get almost like cloud sounds out of it. It's oh wow. I you know what I like doing too is I like using it just for the repeats and not even using any of the effects. You know, turn oh. all of the effects down, and you can, that's where you can get some really good ratcheting just by. So do you turn the time? Like, what do you do with the time when you do that? Do you turn that all the way down? I usually will, I, I like to use LFOs on the time. So it's the time and then it's the repeats. Okay. You, you can modulate those in interesting ways, but turn everything else off. Okay. And you can get okay. some really interesting ratcheting that way. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to try that out. Um, yeah, I everything that I've ever used from Qubit has just been like, I feel like they got the digital thing on lock. Mm -hmm. Like the, the Cascade, have you ever used that? I haven't. No, I've it's seen it. So, it's so cool. It's like, just feed it, feed it a trigger, and then it'll turn it into like ratcheting gates that then you can create envelopes to open a VCA. And it's, it's so it's an envelope generate VCA and gate source. I need to check that out. I can never have too many interesting trigger sources. Mm -hmm. um, I just got a the endorphins running order the other day okay. really good for like uh euclidean type um patterns but i can't i i just want like as many weird trigger sources as possible to so have I'll you messed with grids i haven't messed with grids no i've got the um the running order i have their tom's util which is actually really good uh -huh. underrated module that i think a lot of people overlook for pams probably Mm -hmm. um, and then I've got the Zolaric repetitor from noise engineering as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Get a lot I of mileage out that. of that. I, the grids is like, I, I just absolutely love that thing so much. Like I have, a, um, because I'm like usually taking stuff in from the environment. I have that 4MS percussion interface mm -hmm. that like it basically creates gates off of incoming audio. And then I clock the grids with that and then, yeah, run that out to like a clock divider. Mm -hmm. And then I've just got like all this stuff to trigger um my my uh control sources with like somewhat rhythmic stuff but it's based off of what's happening or i'm still trying mm -hmm. to dial that in but um but yeah another really good one is the um the pulses or morcom the expander for uh the turing machine or the, oh, the yeah. Angelin v2 mm -hmm. with just mm -hmm. all like these crazy that one's really fun too that's a little it, less a less rhythmic but it can and that's be. that's always the challenge is like how do you get as 
kind of wild and you know really get into polyrhythms and micro rhythms rhythms but still have them sound cohesive at the end of the day Mm -hmm. that's always the challenge too definitely yeah i like to modulate all the the ends on grids and it's really cool because you find some really sweet spots but sometimes in between the sweet spots it can get like really clunky and Mm -hmm. um that's not grids fault that's my fault for not figuring out the right um modulation to send to it but um yeah it's so you mentioned gas earlier you got it pretty bad I, well, to put this in perspective, at the start of the pandemic, uh-huh. I had no Yara rack. I had never used it. I was, you know, mainly using a lot of Ableton. I had some of my drum machines. And now I have two full uh, Pittsburgh structure cases. <laughs> so, yeah, I got it bad. Yeah, you got it pretty bad. <laughs> well, well and like, you're in Portland. You're so close to... Can, uh, oh, my God. Like, I'm oh, like a... I'm like a 10 minute drive from control voltage. That's uh, it's like Seattle. I mean, Patchworks up there. I got yeah. to visit for the first time and it's just dangerous. When Did you go to so the new easy. shop? I went to the new one. Yeah. yeah kind of in awesome. sort of the Fremont area, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wallingford, Fremont. Yeah. It's that, their, their shop. It's so big. I can't believe how huge, huge it is. And it's, yeah, that that's pretty dangerous spot to go. Um, luckily or unluckily, I moved to Tacoma recently so I can't just like go to Patchworks whenever I want, um, which is much safer for me. But. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but working at a modular place helps kind of kind of like because you're just like surrounded by modules all day. You kind of like I feel like my gas is is starting to go more in the um, direction of field recording equipment mm-hmm. and just non-modular stuff. Like I just bought that Tascam Porta Capture 8. And it's fucking rad. I love it. Yeah. I need to, I've done some field recording. I've got a, one of the smaller task hands. I can't remember which one. Um, but I, yeah, I want to get more into that. And it's, it's yeah, it's, I don't I, It's something that's really, I'm also, so the other issue is I'm kind of lazy. So <laughs> I love playing the music, but like processing my own samples particularly is a headache. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been like more into just the act of doing it rather than trying to get like good, like just going on a walk and and Mm -hmm. using it instead of just listening and kind of using as like a, a deep listening tool or something. Um, and, and, you know, new getting to know my new neighborhood, like what are the sounds in my new neighborhood and stuff? Like I'm, I'm full blown nerd on this right now. It's, it's getting dangerous. <laughs> That's gonna be my my next thing, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So your new it's an EP, right? Because I keep remember I keep feeling it's, like when it ends, I want I'm like I don't. It's want a to short. I know it's a short album. It's like I don't know. It's like half an hour long, I think. Okay, so it's um, an album. Yeah, it's an album, but it's a short one. And it and, was it was originally an EP actually, and okay. I recorded this this album rift um after so i have another album that's done and i just you know sometimes you finish something and i don't know i just like don't feel like releasing it i don't know why i don't know if i ever will but Mm -hmm. this was like a kind of a taking a break from like mainline stuff i was working on but then i ended up liking this so much that i really put more time and effort into turning it into something 
That's cool. I wonder how much of like like the psychological aspect of that, like you you went into Rift thinking of it as it sounds like maybe more of just like a, a for the enjoyment factor yeah. of it and for a break and not have to worry about creating something for releasing. And I wonder how much of like that that mindset going into it made it easier for you to get to the point to releasing it. I think that's a huge part of it. I get so like I get into this mindset where I have to be creating something for a purpose, right? Like I've, mm -hmm. the only stuff I can work on is stuff I have to release. And that puts you in kind of a, you know, it's a stressful mindset and it's manufactured stress. I mean, you should mm -hmm. never feel stressful totally. playing music, but yeah. So kind of stepping back and just enjoying the sounds and the gear. And then that generally opens up more creativity for me in general. I feel like it's less like a, a job almost and more like just, a vocation yeah totally yeah and 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 if you're like feeling like because i i've been like that it was actually like pre-modular and pre-podcast because now with the podcast i don't have as much time to just work on my own music um but i like i like released almost everything that i made like if i started it and worked on it and got it like fleshed out as a structure i would like work on it until i was ready to share it and that was kind of like, it, you know, burnt me out a little bit. And I think going back, I think I, w I maybe wouldn't have released a handful of those tracks or something, you know, but I just felt like I had to be prolific for some reason. It was, yeah. it was all from me. I put it all on myself. I feel that exactly. And it's funny you say that because just yesterday I was going through removing stuff from Bandcamp and streaming. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like this, like I released it, but I don't really like it so yeah. get rid of it i feel like i want to do that too um just like clean it up a little bit you know yeah um because also some of it like no one's ever listened to so if it ever gets you know it's kind and of that's like the thing yeah <laughs> and it's, that's the thing especially like i do i've had so much evolution in my sound like my first album was like electronic like industrial punk Really, uh -huh. and it was all vocals, and it's very different. And now I feel like I'm in a place where I'm, I still have a lot of different genres that I work in, but I don't know. I just feel like I'm in a, I'm more comfortable with the gear and music making in general. That you definitely reevaluate some of the, the older stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you start to question like, do I want to have that wide of a variety as far as like genre or something under yeah. one moniker and and you start thinking about this stuff and then i don't know for me i always get to the point i'm like i'm thinking about this more than anybody will ever and that's like, the thing listen to it yeah. or you know? <laughs> that's the thing I, I do i do that too and it's like i've got three like distinct types of music that i make and i only release one of them like i do a lot of like i don't know chick tooney cutesy mm -hmm chill hop type stuff but it doesn't at least i don't think it fits with the stuff i release so it's always like what do you do with this but i have i have an idea it just popped in my head take it or leave it kitty breath i you know i, <laughs> I thought of that i totally thought of that i, I may very well do that i think you we'll should <laughs> and you could just i think under Bandcamp, like you can even though it's you like cat breath Bandcamp, you could like, I think when you go to album, you can put a different artist name and it'll show up. 
Um, so you could still have it all in one place, but just call it kitty breath. I might, you know, it's funny you say that because I totally thought of that. And that's kind of close to my gaming handle <laughs> where Cabbage <laughs> came from. I had this little series of like more like weird poppy Eurorack experiments that I was calling baby loops. Uh-huh. I might do, yeah, I might do kitty breath. We'll see. I like that. But while we're on the subject, where does that name come from? I love it. <laughs> that's a good question. I don't have cats oh really but I, lo I love them i'm <laughs> allergic to them um oh no yeah it's like i don't know it's a old uh video game handle that i've always used i, I honestly don't know where it came from at this point but i've been okay. using that name since like high school <laughs> and it's kind of stuck i don't know that's awesome um my cat just walked by the door right as we were talking about this um Okay, well, you brought up games. I got, I got. To know. What, what are your games? What, what kind of, what kind of games are you into? Right now, I'm playing Cyberpunk 2077. Uh -huh. Now that I feel like it's stable enough to play, I held uh -huh. off for a while. I like big open world RPGs. You know, Fallout. Yeah. Um, my wife's playing Elden Ring, and I'm kind of jealous of that. I've been watching her play that. I really want to play. So my my wife and I have been talking about getting it. I turned my wife into a gamer over the pandemic which I was so proud of because she's was not at all into video games and now she has beaten breath of the wild. So I feel nice. like she's a full on gamer. Yeah, definitely. Um, That's all it. Yeah. Yeah. My, it's funny. My wife and I are both gamers and we're both musicians and that's like good and bad. Right. Right. Cause it's yeah. like, we'll be at the, you know, at control voltage and she'll be like, I don't know. Should I get this? Like, of course you should like, there's uh -huh. no, there's <laughs> right, no like I reasonable sounding board there. <laughs> yeah. I've tried to get my wife into modular and, and, you know, synths and everything and it hasn't worked out, but, um, I did get her into video games. So that was a good, um, yeah. So that's, I want to get Elden Ring and, you know, Breath of the Wild 2, I think is coming out at the end of the year or something. And I'm starting to worry, like, how are we going to do that? You know, cause I don't want to watch, I don't want spoilers cause I want to play, but she's not going to want to watch me play so that's the eternal question we run into yeah. that we have to split up games like <laughs> she's taking Elden Ring I'm taking Cyberpunk and it's just <laughs> there's such involved games that you can't really you have to sort of like schedule time for who gets to play when too because we only have the one Xbox so yeah yeah we have a we have a Switch and a PS4 so luckily like if she's she like she was playing um Dragon Age Inquisition for a while so mm -hmm. i was just like tearing through switch games on the couch so that's a good system but when it when it comes to a point where we're both going to want to play the same game on the same system we haven't we haven't got there yet i'm very very worried <laughs> yeah yeah that's a tough one i haven't I think... figured that one out yet there's got to be people out like every once in a while video games come up on the show and i know there are people out there who hate it i'm sure because they don't play video games but so sorry just, about that yeah apologies they're just so connected to me like yeah and please pardon the interruption but i would like to say thank you to patchworks the lovely synth shop in the pacific northwest in seattle um it's been so cool to watch them grow and this new showroom that i keep talking about is so so beautiful um yeah anyways i'm supposed to be i'm, I'm supposed to be uh doing an ad not waxing poetic but 
I don't know. There's definitely a, a space in that vi Venn diagram there. Did that make sense? I don't know. But you know what makes sense is picking up all your synth gear from Patchworks. You can head over to patchworks.com, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com to, uh, to browse their lovely selection. Also, give them a follow on the social medias. They run... Uh, a lot of sales, a lot of really good sales. So keep an eye out for those. And while you're there at patchworks.com, why don't you browse the selection of After Later Audio modules? That's right, this episode is also brought to you by After Later Audio. Thank you for your continued support. Um, the carve and the dirty laundry, I, I made a couple, uh, or three pretty, pretty short but fun patches with those and filmed them and put them up on the after later instagram account and those two play so well together this dirty laundry is uh it's it's such a powerhouse it is insane i did a really really in-depth video about that on the after later audio youtube page and i would love if you went and checked that out um yeah once again, patchworks.com and afterlateraudio.com. And thank you to everybody who supports the show on Patreon. It's the lifeblood of the show. It is the power source that keeps the LEDs blinking over here at PodMod. So if you would like to join that force, head to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. I'm going to continue to put up um, sporadic and... <laughs> <laughs> not very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's not regular or it's not on a particular schedule, but I do throw some pretty fun exclusive material and content up there. So, uh, yeah, head on over to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. Let's get back into our conversation. I promise we're done talking about video games for the most part. We're going to just talk about video game music and how it is, has inspired us both. So, um, don't worry. We're almost done with video games. The thing I remember most from games is the music, you know? Definitely, Final yes. Fantasy VI is like my favorite album of all time That's in funny. any genre, not just uh -huh. video game music. They're so connected to me. Yeah. Final Fantasy VII is actually like that. That music is in my DNA. Like mm -hmm. I, I used to just like I would get to a point on the game where I liked the song and then I would just like, you know, as long as I wouldn't get in a fight or anything, just like I would just lay there yeah. in my room and let it play and then like go to a different part of the level or the yeah. game and like listen to that, you know, so before like I could, I lived in a small town and I didn't know where I could find the music. So I just listened to it on the game and yeah, yeah it's, it's in my, it's in my bones for sure. Yeah. Um, Have you heard the Megaran Black Materia album? It's based on Final Fantasy VII music. Oh, no. you gotta check that out. Okay. It's amazing. I've heard like the the like the symphonic versions and stuff, which I, which I actually like. I think is cool, but I like I like the actual tracks from the game yeah. the most. I think. Yeah, you don't need to make them fancy. Like we love the chip tune sound. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. So yeah, check sure. out this album though. It's it's hip hop, but it's oh really mainly. I don't know if it's reprogrammed or direct samples. I think it's probably both, but okay, it's really well done. What's it called? Black Materia. Black Materia. Oh my God. I am, I'm writing that down right now because I don't want to, I don't want to lose it. Um, well, and so, uh, how much does, how much did like that influence your music making? Do you think like the, the Final Fantasy VI in, in particular? I think that at the end of the day, that type of music, Final Fantasy VI, all of the old RPG 
you know, Super Nintendo era music probably influenced my music more than, you know, industrial music or some of the other bands I actually listened to. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like you said, it's in, it hit at the right time. It's in my DNA in a way that it's just kind of natural to draw upon that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think as far as like electronic music goes and especially maybe not modular and not recently, cause it's getting way weirder and just more not music. Um, but when I'm like have a synth at my fingertips, I feel like I'm expressing more of my final fantasy seven influence than almost anything else that I've heard. And, and, and like almost like in timbre and in like mm-hmm. melodic, I tend to write kind of like, I think one of the reasons I like modular so much is cause I'm not writing music. Like, like I'm not writing note, like, uh, like phrases or, or um, riffs or whatever. Cause when I do, they always kind of feel to me a little like sappy, like, 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 a, like a, like a, a love theme from a JRPG or something. That's the challenge. I'm working. Yeah. It's totally the challenge. I'm working on a, this new, trying to do this kind of industrial techno EP and it's so hard not to have, yeah, have the cheesy video game stuff come through. It's like, no, mm-hmm. it has to be simple. Like none of this. Well, I, I always find like, I, I, I make like really saccharine kind of cheesy melodies. And then I just kind of add really destructive, nasty sounds over them to kind of build a contrast. Mm-hmm. And that, I feel like that seems to work for me, like really, really fuzzy, crunchy sounds with that. But, um, I don't know, maybe it'd be kind of funny, like, uh, like zero gravity, just to kind of throw, throw one in the middle as kind of like an Easter egg or something. I think I'll, I, I mean, I, I have enough of those types of songs. I probably will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Rift is out on cassette or is coming out on cassette? It's uh, available for pre-order, um, okay. on heterodox records. Uh, cassette should be here next month, I think, but okay. supply chains, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, um, I'm going, I was going to release some stuff on cassette this year cause I just want a physical artifact, but because of this, the weights and the cost and everything, I decided that I'm going to just do like paintings that people can buy and get a download code or something, something I like that I can that. make at home. You yeah. Know? It's just um, something physical is good. Yeah, but for sure. It's fun getting stuff in the mail. It is. And I, yeah, I wanted to do a vinyl release this year, but I mean, it's like 18 months lead time to get yeah. vinyl made. It's like, it's just not, it's not a viable option for a lot of mm-hmm. people, at least yeah. not inpatient people like me. It's so I have a vinyl project that is going to be, um, I think we're going to release the pre-order, the digital pre-order on April 1st. So I can kind of, but I, I like started teasing it way too early, but the album itself has been done I don't know, seven months or something like that. You know, like it's, it's just like maybe even longer. So it's, I'm not even, I mean, I'm, of course I'm excited about it. And when I get it, I'll be super stoked. And when I get to start promoting it, but it's like, it's been so long that I like don't even think about it anymore, you know? And then every once in a while, I'm like, oh yeah, that's going to be a thing. And that's the challenge. And then you've moved on to the next thing too. Yeah. That you're excited to share with people. It's like, well, you have to continue to do the, the, you know, the promotion side of things. It's really hard. Yeah. Because like once you're past the mastering process, like the excitement for this thing that you're like, 
hasn't fully happened to me yet, but I worry about like the day when I get through the whole process and I'm like, I don't even like this anymore. I don't want to release it. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, wait, so you said uh, heterodox records? Heterodox records. Yep. Yeah. What's, I, um, can you tell us about that label and yeah. how you got hooked up with them? Yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting label focused on indie uh, electronic music, really of many genres, but there's a very sort of, I hate the term, but I don't know what else to call it, kind of IDM focus. Mm-hmm. And that's kind mm-hmm. of where I've been working, you know, recently. Um, but it's a Portland-based label. They've been around for a number of years. I was uh, released number 101, which was exciting. Oh, cool. cool. And um, no, yeah, everyone, everyone should check them out. You know, they, just this year, we've had three or four releases and they're all solid, like totally okay. worth picking up. So cool. definitely recommended. I love that. Like whatever happened to our weird music climate, um, because of the internet and everything, the bet, like the best thing to come out of it is this like ability for people to start these small, you know, cassette or even digital labels and to release like, I don't know. Um, feel like Bandcamp is just like such a great place to go to find all these these people make you know like heterodox or like I I have one called self center records that is kind of doesn't do much at all because I yeah it's just a lot of work to run a label but um yeah yeah I just love I, I really love that aspect of it do you know anything about this Bandcamp acquisition I was though? gonna ask you about that because uh, oh, I'm nervous because Bandcamp has been such an awesome thing but it's, Who? It, it's, t- I, and that's the thing, like Bandcamp was, the, I would say like the last like bastion of independent music, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And who's to say what'll happen? Maybe nothing, maybe something good, maybe something bad. I don't know. But it's worrisome when big companies snatch up little companies that everyone are, you know, everyone is, are really passionate about. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. just, you want to just be like, don't touch it. Don't mess it up. Like, yeah. Yeah, I put myself in the position of like the CEOs of Bandcamp or something, and like, it'd be, I don't know how much money they sold it for, but it was a lot, I'm sure. And if someone was like, "Hey, do you want this amount of money to not have to to sell your thing?" Um, might be. I would like to say I would be pure, and I would, you know, no, I'm doing this to be, yeah, you know. But I mean, but, more power you know, to them. I mean, everyone's yeah. dream is to be able to be successful right i mean you yeah. can't hold something like it's kind of like in the old you know like in the 90s the whole punk like punk moves to a major label then they're a sellout it's like but they get to and i like i get it but mm-hmm. then they get to do what they love and get paid for it it's pretty cool yeah so, i don't know yeah definitely there's there's i think there's a fine line i mean we we capitalism is gross and late stage capitalism is just grosser and it's getting grosser and grosser. But at the same time, like that is the system in which we live. So like, I've been really trying to like use my, use this mantra of like, try to, you know, exist in the world that I live in and not the world that I want to live in. You know, like it feels weird to try to, I don't like the idea of monetizing a podcast, but if I can monetize it and get to a point where I don't have to be on a ladder all day at a place that I absolutely hate, 
then I'm going to do that, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, it's so toxic now, but you got to do what you got to do in a way. And that's like, when I look at Bandcamp, I almost think like, oh, more power to the people who sold it. But then also, mm -hmm. how dare you big company buying this? Like, yeah, you know, right. both of those, <laughs> both uh -huh. of those viewpoints. I haven't read anything about it. I don't know anything about it. So, it, you know, who knows? They may just have bought it and said, hey, we're not going to change anything or whatever. But yeah, it's always a little suspicious and I don't know, big, big, huge corporations don't have a good reputation of being, no, like, of being hands exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. I lost it again. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I wanted to ask like live versus, um, studio how much different is your music? Because like listening to it, I feel like it's stuff that I could imagine you pulling off live. Mm -hmm. um, you post a lot of live performance stuff on uh, Instagram. So yeah, what's, what's, what's the difference between those two? That's the challenge. And now that things are opening it up and I'll start playing more live, like in-person live shows, not just live streams. I kind of, it depends on the event. A lot of it, I'll just improvise, just do a set of whatever happens. Mm -hmm. But yeah, being more intentional is really hard because I'm not very good at saving within, like I've got like, you know, sequencers within my Euro rack, but I don't really save uh -huh. the patterns <laughs> on them. So it's hard to go back. And it's hard in general to go back with your rack for mm -hmm. very obvious reasons. But I mean, I, I, I keep everything, I record everything so I can, I usually try to do sort of a combination of playback and then adding additional sort of improvisation over what already exists. I find that kind of works because then you get the actual songs that, you know, you're familiar with, but you're also not just standing there pressing a button here and there. So yeah, that's, yeah. A, I mean, that's electronic music. Like what is the balance between mm -hmm. playing, playing, looking like you're playing and having pre-programmed stuff? It's, it's a fine line. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I feel like I've, my early days, I would set up a patch that kind of played itself. And then I would find myself in a, in a live setting, just like at the end, purposely fucking it up just so it like changed and got crazy, but I wouldn't practice fucking it up. Cause I didn't want to get, I didn't know if I could get it back to the good part. So I just build this thing. And then I started realizing like after seven minutes, I'm like, I can't do anything else. Yeah. with this and I'm like this is a bad set <laughs> it's, and but you always feel like you have to do something and that's the same thing like I do mm -hmm. some DJ stuff too and it's like you like okay the set's sounding great you know but like oh I'm standing here mm -hmm. people are looking at me I'm gonna fiddle with some knobs and all of a sudden it sounds like crap yeah right. <laughs> yeah it's like I don't know that's performing is so hard in electronic yeah, music it's it's weird and I, I rarely I think the only time I've ever let me see if this is actually true. My last live set I played in Colorado, I did really like. I do think it's pretty good. Um but most everything else that I've done with modular, I've kind of been lukewarm on and the stuff that I like the best is when I like kind of improv with other people and not just modular, because that gets pretty wily, but just like improving with people i'll bring it you know multiple instruments or something mm -hmm. and, and that that to me seems like the most fun 
way to do electronic music um because you can kind of come in and out of it i agree you know and test stuff out like cue it first and collaborative nature and that Mm -hmm. it's all about audience too i mean gearheads eurorack folks want to see yeah for sure Uh uh-huh but if you're playing to more of a i don't know people who are more interested in your your you know your pre-made music or something they're going to be less excited about your you know 20 minute long exploration of sound (laughs) (laughs) potentially (laughs) yeah i love 20 minute explorations of sound but at what point does it become an imposition if you're in a in a setting where the idea, the conceit of the whole thing is that you are there to entertain the people who are coming there exactly. for entertainment, you know? And that's um, hard. It's like, it's super hard. Yeah. At some point, it's like a, a spinal tap kind of thing. Like, how many solos <laughs> do you really want to do? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, this, that was another thing that I like about uh, Rift, your, your record, is I feel like a lot of records and I like these records, so I'm not talking shit, but I get sent a lot of stuff and I just listen to a lot of stuff from our Eurorack community. And like you said, it's kind there's, there's an element there that like you kind of have to be a gearhead or into the technology to kind of wrap your head around what's going on and, 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 um, uh, what's the word? Appreciate it for what it is. I feel like your album is is just good music, and you happen to make it with Eurorack. And Eurorack listeners could listen and be like, "Oh, this is great Eurorack music." But you could also just play it for someone who knows nothing about Eurorack and enjoy it. And I think yeah. that's really important. I think it is. Uh, I mean, if you want to listen to my sound explorations, you can find me on Instagram doing just that. But but yeah, I try to. Yeah, that's like the intention I try to put behind releases. I mean, I love listening to just Eurorack stuff, though, but I find mm-hmm. that it kind of takes a background to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. different from like a composed song, right? And they're both yeah. good, but they're both kind of different intentions, maybe. Yeah, and I feel like the like kind of the Eurorack exploration thing, like for me, it almost needs some sort of like video, like in a live se- setting, anyways, like a video component, some sort of or visual like mm-hmm. performance with it um because yeah who wants to watch somebody just stand there and dial knobs yeah. or whatever like i do personally but most people yeah me do. too yeah i want to go look over their shoulder what are you doing what are you exactly. using exactly yeah yeah video is important <laughs> i i got a i've kind of slowly been getting into video synthesis also mm-hmm. just it seems like a perfect compliment for that very reason too right mm-hmm. a little more visual interest even in yeah. videos i make I, it's always a struggle i want to post stuff but it's like i don't know what to film that's always the challenge well you're i was going to ask about your your like hexagon one two three four five this five whatever those shapes are you got these like honeycomb lights on your wall and i feel like your lot your instagram videos are really engaging because you have like cool lights behind you and stuff i try to that you know the funny thing is these are they're acoustic like dampening panels but they don't oh work. really they look cool but like uh-huh. they're useless so really they're an aesthetic thing uh-huh yeah i try to do that it's funny too because i'm always kind of moving around my setup which means i have to change how i film stuff i got a new desk because my well, as you know, more gear, I need more space for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that kind of changed everything again. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I had to buy a new desk when we moved into the new house. Um, I need to I need to get a, a setup to where 
people can see my synth behind me because it's it's just off to my right. Like all of my synth gear, like it's like there's a bunch right here and just right there, but you just can't really see it on camera. Um, but it's like I feel like at a certain point it gets overwhelming. Totally. It's like what it's do I do with all this? Exactly. <laughs> I have half my house is set up not just for music making, but it's set up for filming music making, and it's mm -hmm. like that's fine, but. You have to ask the question of like, how much effort do you put into these, you know, your social media, all this kind of stuff. And, mm -hmm. and how much effort do you put towards like actually, first of all, having fun, but then like recording stuff that you might actually use. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a tough balance for sure. It totally is. Yeah. And I, I've been like wrestling with this, trying to really fully wrap my head around the idea of like, or, or answering the question of like, why am I doing any of this? And, um, you know, my motivations a few years ago are probably different than they are now, you know, like my motivations for the last 10 years music wise was just to get to some point where I made enough money where I didn't have to have a shitty job mm -hmm. and just got to do the thing that I loved. Like if I could, I've always said, you know, if I could make $30,000 a year just doing music stuff, I would happily live in, you know, in squalor, <laughs> if yeah. I could just have, yeah. you know, um, and I still, I still want to do that, but then like, it's, you get with this like late, like late stage capitalism and just the, the direction everything is going and like becoming a personal brand and everything. I just don't, it just, it seems gross to me, but I'm like, I'm in that arena. So it's, it's, it's really weird. It's, it's super weird. gross. And that's like, it, but it's like, you have to do that as part of an artist, you being an yeah. artist too, but it's like, it's so slimy too. It's mm -hmm. like, how do you, how do you navigate current systems without losing your soul kind of? Yeah. You know, yeah. That's the challenge. Because ultimately you're saying, look and listen to me, look and listen to me, but everybody else is doing that. So yeah. it's just like, I try to be like very mindful of like, okay, well, like your, your album, you popped up on my Instagram. You had a purple cassette tape. I was like, purple cassette tape. I I like I like the Cat Breath videos. I'm gonna check this out. I like this record. I'm gonna buy it. You know, like I try to keep my eyes open for that. Not just for the show, because I need. You know, I'm always looking for mm -hmm. people to talk to and stuff. But I'm also like, I'm trying to be the audience that I want to exist for my stuff. You know, the only exactly. way that audience is gonna exist is if everybody. You know, and I think within our community, there is a lot of support like that. But There is. Yeah, I, I totally like that. Yeah, I want to, you know, put my money where my mouth is, support the artists that I want to support. Mm -hmm. Not for any sort of like, you know, reciprocal thing. It's just that I want to see these people be successful also, right? Mm -hmm. People are making yeah. amazing music. And I think as part of being the scene, if you're able to, like, yeah help them get out there you know support them buy their stuff listen to their music mm -hmm. it's it's important yeah. I, and the thing like it takes i mean for this 30 minute record how long did it take for you to, to make that if you had to guess oh man 80 hours more probably more <laughs> probably yeah, right? more yeah so it's just like it's a lot of time it's a lot of time for a just the 30 minute condensed, you know, here's what I did in this amount of hours. Um, 
I, I kind of look at it as not even so much of like, I want to like support them financially. Like I look at it as like, I want to support people and listen to this because I know how much work firsthand that goes into this. And it can be kind of, it can kind of, it's very heartbreaking actually. When I was first starting and I was releasing, you know, my first couple albums and you can see your band camp plays and it's like, I got three plays today, but I sent it to five of my friends. So that means just three of my friends and you can see partial listens and it's like, Oh man, no one's even... I wish you couldn't see that. <laughs> I know. Right. Like, <laughs> Oh, no one's listened to my full track that I've really, you know, and like, yeah. um, and so yeah, I just think about other people seeing that and I'm like, I want to put these plays through for them to see that someone out there is, is paying attention. I think that's um, important. And, and, yeah, and we're all like all of these independent artists. I do the same thing. And the reality is there's so much good indie music from the scene. Like I don't mm -hmm. really, I listen to other stuff, obviously, but like you can spend most of your time listening to amazing stuff coming from out of the scene and still yeah. have really good music you're listening to. But yeah. that's the challenge between like Bandcamp and Spotify. You know, I can tell, as you probably know, like when someone actually buys something on Bandcamp, that's like the best feeling. Oh yeah, it feels it's great. It's like this is amazing. Someone actually liked or appreciated this enough to pay money for it. That's an incredible mm -hmm. feeling. Yeah, it doesn't matter how much or how many. Like even if a single sale, like, and it's not about money. It's just about mm -hmm. like, I don't know. It's exciting when people are excited yeah. about what you're doing. Definitely, yeah. It's it's like it's not the whole reason we do it, but it's the whole reason we release it. You know, yeah. Like, um, yeah. It's just like. And also, you like, I for the longest time wouldn't listen to something if I wasn't like, if it didn't have some sort of clout, you know, like I didn't hear about it from somebody that I trusted or from a uh, good review or something. But now I'm like almost the opposite where I like to just explore and see what happens, like especially on Instagram. On Bandcamp Friday, I love just like seeing what people post and like going and, and, and listening to it. And, and there's... Um, there's a lot of variation. There's a lot of stuff that's really similar out there, you know, but um, especially within the world of modular, I'm just always, I'm always looking for the next thing that's going to kind of surprise me. And, and, um, and that could be just anybody that has no one supporting them. They could have two Instagram followers, but they could make the most amazing, that's you know, like you never know what you're going to find. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to just randomly go on Bandcamp with no intention and just, mm -hmm. I don't like know, explore. type in a genre and see what comes up. And there's, I discover so much that way too. And you're right. There's like, there's some stuff out there that's amazing, but no one has bought it or listened to it. It's like, where are you people? Like this is mm -hmm. amazing music. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's just like, and it's just that, uh, that, how do you get people to pay attention to the thing that you did? You know, yeah. we have all these platforms to do it, but everybody's doing it. On Everyone's the doing it. Exactly. Like... It's all like shouting at each other. And it's, yeah. I don't know. It's tough. And, that, and that's why I think people should have a, people in the scene should have a, I don't want to say responsibility. That sounds weird, but like a, a desire to prop people up. Right. Yeah, and also, yeah. like, if you don't like something and you don't vibe with it, that's fine. Like, you don't have to obviously buy a bunch of stuff you don't like. But totally, there's so much out there that you do like that you should be supporting. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of like the whole be the be the change you want to see in the world. Like, I just, I mean, I could. This is all in my head. I've never heard anyone say this, but I just, I, I know how. I know how self-involved and narcissistic the artistic <laughs> endeavor can be. Yeah. So I, I'm sure there's a bunch of people out there who maybe aren't listening to a bunch of people, you know, on their, on their same, maybe not level, but within their same community, they're not listening to a bunch of stuff, but they're looking at their plays and they're being like, man, why is no one listening to this? Um, and I just wonder how many people are out there just wanting people to listen to their stuff, but aren't doing the work of finding things to yeah. listen to. I it's don't, like I don't a, know. There's, I feel like there's like a karma component to it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and it's yeah. not reciprocal. I don't think things like that should be reciprocal in a literal sense, but definitely totally you get what you put into something. You get mm-hmm. from a community what you're willing to contribute. And if you're only mm-hmm. taking, then you're missing half of the, the picture yeah, really. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that karmic thing that you're talking about, like the pay it forward, it, I, I see that the exact same way as, as you just mentioned it. And it's not in a like, well, I'm going to listen to 10 people's albums. So they all listen to mine. It's more like, no, I'm going to try to be a listener out there and just hope that other people are also doing that. And if I, if I happen to get some plays from that, then that's cool. But that's not why I'm, why I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm doing it because this is the world that I want to see exist. Exactly. Um, but yeah, now I'm now I'm probably just getting annoyingly uh, romantically poetic or something, yeah. pseudo poetic. Well, I mean, you got to be a little. It's yeah. a very romantic endeavor, art mm-hmm. in general. So definitely, yeah. Um, oh God, there was one more thing because we're running out of time here. Well, not running out of time, but we're coming up on an hour. Um, when you're at work or when you're like doing anything else, like are this is something that I've been noticing about myself. I'm very distracted because I'm always thinking about my, what I want to do artistically, like constantly. And I could be somewhere else or at work. And I'm, and I, and I feel like other parts of my life even sometimes suffer because Mm -hmm. I'm not giving it the attention that the artistic, is that the same for you? Absolutely. Yeah. And the problem, (laughs) especially with quarantine. So I work from home Mm -hmm. here and literally my, whole setup is right here. So I'll be working and it's just like, how do you not just be like, oh, I might uh, (laughs) turn that on for a second. (laughs) But it's, and it's all, and for me, it's like, I always, it's always like a a curiosity. It's like, oh, I've never used this thing this way. I wonder what would happen. Mm -hmm, More so mm -hmm. than like, oh, I want to make a specific track but those thoughts always pop in your head too like either when you're trying to go to sleep and you have to fall asleep because you have to wake up early or when you like have to do something else like what if we yeah. plug this into that how did i not think of that yet yeah <laughs> exactly but then sometimes you get home and you're like uh yeah the feeling <laughs> yeah. is fast it keep, or it keeps you up all night and you try it and you're like mm, that didn't do anything it sucks <laughs> but it's it's all the learning process yeah um all right. Well, is there anything that you uh, want to scream from the modular mountaintops or is there anything that we haven't covered that you were hoping to cover while we we're here? Yeah, I don't think so. Just uh, want to thank you for, well, for the interview and the support. And um, yeah, I, I just love the, the community, right? I'm pretty new mm-hmm. to modular, but just the community I've found is incredible. And Absolutely. appreciate all the folks making that community as well. Agreed. Well said. And 
Um, would you have time to do a patch challenge this week? We don't, you don't have to do it. Um, you don't have to do it like right now. Yeah. You can definitely. do it on your own time. Okay. Let me get, uh, the patch challenge word generator going here. And let's see, I, I always forget to do this before I start the interview. And then there's the awkward thing of me doing exactly what I'm doing right now. Um, and then it's going to take a minute because there's expansive omen. That's kind of cool. Okay. It doesn't really mean anything, <laughs> but I feel like it's evocative at least. Yeah, I, I think I could come up with something with that. I could try again if you're not into it. No, let's do it. Expansive okay, Omen. Expansive I'm in. Omen. I like it. Um, cool. And uh, I'll put links in the show description to everything else. And uh, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you also. It's been a lot of fun. All right, buckle up for Cat Breath's Expansive Omen.
All right, that's our show. Thank you so much, Megan, a.k.a. Cat Breath, for coming on Podular Modcast. Please uh, check out the links in the show description. Great album. As you know, I've said that many times throughout the episode. Um, Don't forget, I'm starting a new podcast about movies with my friend Devin, and it should be pretty fun and funny. Uh, And we are looking for theme music, and I want y'all to make it and submit it. So please send your submissions to podmodcast at gmail.com. Um, don't forget, I have a new album coming out this week, uh, Friday, and I'm going to be selling some original pieces of art that I've made. I've been just going on a tear with paintings, uh, draw, well, they're half paintings, half drawings because I have acrylic paint markers. So I'm doing a lot of that. Um, and they're just kind of weird, trippy things. They're, um, yeah. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it, and they're piling up, and I don't know what to do with them, so I thought it'd be cool to sell them on Bandcamp for uh, very affordable prices as far as art goes, um, and include download codes. I would also like to say thank you to everybody who supports me on Patreon. Um, I, of course, will give you a free download of that album. If you would like, just uh, send me a message and say, hey, pass me one of them uh, DL codes for your new album. I say it every week, but I mean it every week, so I'll continue to say it in weeks to come, that the Patreon is the reason the show is able to uh, exist in its current capacity, and I would like to uh, I would like to just keep expanding and doing more cool video, and um, yeah, you know the spiel, so if you want to help grow the show, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. Um, thank you to Patchwork Seattle, our lovely synth shop here in the Northwest, and thank you so much to After Later Audio for your continued support. Um, I'm actually using the Carve, the new Carve module from uh, After Later and the Dirty Laundry module in the, uh, the patch that I'm about to play for you. That is kind of a nightmarish uh, thing <laughs> of my, my brand new one-day-old nephew making cute noises. And then, of course, I run them through Morphogene and things get So enjoy this, um, and until next week.